getting a good night's sleep. It's more important than you think. Welcome to the Access Health Radio Show. I'm Dr. Brian Forrest, and this week we will be talking about how sleep can be really beneficial for your health and how to make the most of it. Dr. Forrest, we all know that we need sleep, but I understand you're going to be telling us today about how important it is and offer us some tips on getting the most out of it. You know, as we learn more and more about the importance of sleep, it is becoming apparent that it really affects our health very significantly. And, you know, some people suffer from trouble sleeping and disorders like sleep apnea. And we're going to discuss that some today as well and offer some tips for ways to treat that. And new research says that poor sleep can result in early death, increased risk for diabetes, weight gain, and even dementia or memory loss. There's a new study uh, just recently out of the University of California at Berkeley that showed that poor sleep in your middle age years significantly increases your risk for Alzheimer's disease. Okay, so you got my attention when you said poor sleep can result in early death. So I'm definitely listening because I often do have trouble getting to sleep or staying asleep. So one thing I think that our listeners might be wondering about, Dr. Forrest, is just how much sleep is enough? Well, it really depends on how old you are. So, you know, according to the National Sleep Foundation, it, it really depends. So if, you, if you're a newborn and you're zero to three months old, uh, then you need something like 14 to 17 hours a day, which is a lot. Uh, you know, up to about a year old, uh, children need about 15 hours at max. Uh, toddlers, a little bit less, 11 to 14 hours. You know, by the time they get to be, you know, uh, sort of school age, they're down to 9 to 11 hours. Uh, teenagers actually need a lot. And so teenagers, you know, a lot of teenagers get about six to eight hours of sleep. And we found out they actually need eight to ten uh, every night, which is why a lot of think a lot of teenagers crash on the weekend. So and uh, younger adults, uh, you know, this is sort of where people have heard of that eight hours uh, and eight hours for young adults is OK. Same thing for, you know, uh, adults up to age 65. And then what happens is as you get older than 65, uh, it might be a shock, but people actually need less sleep. So I know one thing I hear is a frustration all the time from elderly patients is that no matter what they do, uh, no matter what time they go to bed, they're going to wake up after about six hours, even if that's, you know, four o'clock in the morning and they wake up and there's nothing to do. But uh, what I reassure them is, is that that's relatively normal, that as you get older, you need less and less sleep. And so, you know, if they're going to bed at nine or 10 o'clock, it's very difficult for them to basically stay in the bed much after 5 a.m. And the other thing we know is it's not just the length of sleep. Uh, it's also the quality of the sleep that matters. And people with sleep apnea, for example, you know, they'll sometimes report they slept all night. They don't remember waking up at all. When in some cases they've been awakened over a hundred times. Wow. And I thought teenagers were just lazy, but they do need more sleep. <laughs> That's right. Okay. All right. right. Well, that explains a lot. Now, I mentioned uh, just a moment ago, Dr. Forrest, that sometimes I have trouble getting to sleep or staying asleep uh, all night. Uh, what about that? Well, you know, insomnia can be a real problem, and it's very, very common. So first, let's focus on getting to sleep. Uh, there's a term I use in the office all the time I call sleep hygiene. And basically, there's five essential things you do. So number one uh, is you want to keep your sleep schedule about the same. Now, 
for the most part, the most important time is the time you get up every day. So, and that's hard for people because a lot of people like to sleep in on the weekends and that's very understandable, myself included. Uh, but what you really want to do is find a time where you can get up every morning, uh, and try to get up that same time. Even if you get up and you're still going to be relaxed and you're not getting your day going, uh, going ahead and getting out of bed, uh, you know, sitting upright and doing that about the same time really sets that body clock. And there's a lot of hormonal factors. I know people know about melatonin, uh, but your body has all sorts of hormonal changes that happen when you sleep. And it gets on that schedule, and it, it turns out our bodies can only change that schedule about 30 minutes to an hour every day. So if we – that's why when, if you go to Hawaii, for example, uh, which I think is about five hours difference, uh, it can really throw you off, and it throws you off for about five days because you can only adjust about one hour per day. Um, so the first thing is sticking to a sleep schedule. And again, the most important thing is, is getting up the same time, but trying to go to bed about the same time is also important. The second thing is, you know, paying attention to what you eat and drink. You don't want to uh, drink a bunch of iced tea uh, 30 minutes before bedtime because, number one, that's going to have some caffeine in it, which may be a problem. And it's also going to mean that your bladder is going to fill up about two to three hours after you go to bed, and then you're going to have to get up and take care of that, and it's going to be really disruptive. Um, you know, Again, nothing. probably don't want to eat anything that's going to cause heartburn. If you eat something really late that's spicy and then you get indigestion or, or what we call reflux, a lot of times those reflux symptoms can interfere with your sleep as well. And the next thing is you want a really restful environment. So sometimes people take for granted that, you know, they think they just lay in the bed and it can be sort of dark and that's going to be a, a good environment to get to sleep. The truth is it needs to be as dark as possible. Uh, any, almost any light can actually come through your eyelids and stimulate your brain to think that it's time to be awake. Uh, the second thing is you want it to be really quiet. Now, that seems obvious, but uh, you know, that, you know, sounds that happen in the middle of the night can disrupt your sleep and wake you up or make it even difficult to get to sleep. Sometimes people still have these old clocks with the pendulums that tick. And that can keep you awake. Uh, I'll never forget, I lived in a house in Apex for a while. And all of a sudden, I start when we moved into that house, I started waking up every morning at the same time. And I'd wake up and I'd be like, why am I awake? And finally, one morning, I woke up just early enough to realize there was a train coming through. And it came through <laughs> and it blew the whistle every day at that time. And I realized uh, what was doing that. So trying to get a quiet environment. Uh, it also needs to be cool. Uh, you know, ideal sleep temperature is about 65 degrees. And so if it's too hot, um, it's going to make it difficult to get to sleep. So you need it to be comfortable. You need it to be uh, cold relatively. You want it to be dark. Uh, and, and that's all really important. Sometimes even white noise can like, uh, you know, uh, some people buy machines to do that. Sometimes a fan on low can kind of generate a hum that'll sort of cover up some background noise. So having a restful environment is very important. Uh, the next one, and this one's a little controversial is, uh, people talk about limiting naps and the research on this is really mixed. It turns out if you take less than an hour nap, uh, in the early afternoon, it doesn't seem to have a large impact on sleep. Um, however, now, obviously, if you were to go to sleep at noon and sleep till 5 p.m., uh, that may throw your, your body clock off. Uh, but short naps, you know, under an hour, especially in the late afternoon, don't seem to have a major impact on sleep quality at night. And, and this one may be a little counterintuitive. But it's very important that you have some physical activity during the daytime. You know, if you get exercise, uh, that will actually help your body to prepare for sleep. 
On the other hand, you don't want to do that exercise right before you go to bed because if you do it right before you go to bed, you know, your heart rate and your metabolism may be stirred up a little bit. Uh, you may be a little hotter. It may be difficult to cool down. Uh, so activity during the day is important. You just don't want to do it right before bedtime. And then the last one is sort of stress, you know, managing stress, finding ways to sort of put the day behind you and put and not worry about tomorrow yet. And uh, a tip that I've used for years before we had all these electronic ways to do it was for people to just to keep a pen and paper beside their bed. Uh, and a lot of times people will think of something and they, they're like, oh, I, I don't want to forget that. And so they start thinking about it and it keeps them awake. Keep a pen and paper there and you do think of something, you can just write it down and then leave it there till the morning. Uh, and now a lot of times people use their digital notepads, which might be their phone or their iPad or something like that. So trying to get that stress level under control and let everything go from today and from tomorrow uh, when you go to sleep also helps. So let's just talk real quick about staying asleep. So most people who have a problem, it seems like it's getting to sleep, but other folks have trouble staying asleep. So if you have caffeine, uh, that may make you wake up in the middle of the night. Uh, alcohol, if you drink it near bedtime, it actually turns out alcohol will help you get to sleep faster. But after about two to three hours, it actually will wake you up. And so a lot of times people who have, you know, a nightcap or they drink alcohol right before bed, they get to sleep okay, and then three to four hours later they're wide awake. So uh, being really careful about that. And we already talked a little bit about the excess fluids. This is Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician Dr. Brian Forrest of Access Health in Apex. And Dr. Forrest, everything you just mentioned I can relate to in one way or another. But I do have a question about medications to help sleep. What, what's your feeling on that? Well, you know, there are several types of medications that can help sleep. Uh, some of those are over-the-counter, but most of those just contain Benadryl or diphenhydramine. So don't pay extra for that. You know, if you get Tylenol PM or Advil PM or even Unisom or something like that, the only ingredient they have in there to help you sleep is just plain old uh, diphenhydramine or Benadryl. And uh, so just go and buy the generic Benadryl and use that if you're going to do that. Uh, the others are prescriptions, and the prescriptions uh, do work. Uh, and some of those have other purposes. They're meant for other things but can help sleep, like Elevil or Amitriptyline and Trazodone. And then there's other medicines that are specifically meant for sleep, things like Ambien and Sonata. The problem with all medications for sleep is that while they may help you become unconscious faster – they actually interfere with your normal sleep. So even if you're out and you're unconscious for six or eight hours, you're not going to get as much rest as a normal sleep cycle would give you. They also have lots of side effects, including sleepwalking, memory loss, uh, and also dependence, where people get where they cannot sleep without those medications. Um, and just a real quick example of one of the side effects of uh, you know somebody who was on Ambien, uh, they actually sleepwalked and woke up in the middle of the night sitting on their riding lawnmower and they had cranked it and imagine what could have happened with them asleep on their lawnmower with it running. Oh, wow. uh, but, uh, you know, they, they really were sort of semi-conscious and really didn't have a, a, a recollection of the event. So, uh, and we know that some of these medications interfere with memory and more research is showing that these sleep medications like this can actually increase memory loss and things like that. So you want to avoid that, especially in people that are elderly or might be having trouble with memory already. Wow, really could be a dangerous situation. Uh, this might be shifting gears for just a second, but I want to ask you about sleep apnea. I hear about that all the time. What is that? 
Well, sleep apnea is when our airway sort of collapses down while we're sleeping. And, you know, our airway is essentially a floppy tube. And when we sleep, those muscles that support the airway can relax and the airway gets tighter. And sometimes if it's not completely blocked, that results in snoring. That's sort of that reverberation of the walls of the airway. uh, And that results in noise. But sleep apnea and snoring are not the same thing. But in certain people, the airway can get so narrow when you sleep that it can collapse down and block airflow. Uh, And, you know, that happens every once in a while in almost anyone. But if it occurs a lot, it can really disrupt sleep. And there are some people that literally stop breathing about 100 times an hour. Uh, And that's just, you know, you may wake up and not have any recollection of that and felt like you've been unconscious for eight hours. But the truth is uh, you're not getting good sleep, you know, because when the oxygen levels drop, your heart rate increases and your brain will sort of wake you up enough to make you sort of roll over or fidget or turn over and take a deep breath so you get air again. Uh, But that's just not good quality sleep. Uh, And we're also aware now that obstructive sleep apnea has a range of long-term consequences, including high blood pressure, risk of cardiovascular disease and stroke. Uh, and, uh, you know, atrial fibrillation, which is a heart arrhythmia. And now there is more and more research showing that obstructive sleep apnea may also be a factor in the development of conditions like dementia as well. Um, So there are lots of treatments for CPAP. There's some surgery people can have, uh, but the most commonly effective treatment for it is CPAP, which is basically a little machine. It's uh, very small, uh, sits sits on the bedside nightstand, And essentially, it gives you a little bit of pressure while you sleep, usually through sort of a little face mask. Uh, And those are very effective. And we've we've had that for patients of ours be absolutely life-changing in terms of helping with some of their health problems and also making them feel like they had a lot more energy during the day and uh, where they didn't feel like they were just going to fall asleep every time they sat down in a chair or especially troublesome people who feel like they're going to fall asleep when they're driving. All right. Thanks, Dr. Forrest. Time now for the Access Health Tip of the Week. Did you know that blue light can actually interfere with sleep? One study found that it could suppress sleep hormones like melatonin by as much as two to three times more than other light colors like green. Try to keep your bedroom as dark as possible, but if you have blue light or LEDs on computers or other electronics, try covering those up with a small piece of electrical tape. Set your phone also on a warmer spectrum of light after a certain time. Most of the phones have a setting for that, and that sort of gets your body ready for bed. Um, And if you do have computer or TV screens in your bedroom, make sure they're off when you're trying to go to sleep because blue light, it turns out, actually tells our bodies to stay awake. Well, I've got that set up on my tablet, so good for me. All right. <laughs> if folks want more information uh, after the show or they want information about your practice, where can they find that, Dr. Forrest? If listeners want to send general questions that aren't emergent and possibly have those answered on the show, they can send those to accesshealthradio at gmail.com. Uh, after the show, they can also listen to an on-demand podcast at WPTF.com, and we will have links to that on our landing page at AccessHealthRadio.com. And if they'd like information about our medical practice in Apex, North Carolina, they can go to ACCHealth.com or call 919-363-0190. Again, that's 919-363-0190. Thanks, Dr. Forrest. Straight ahead, we'll talk more about ways you can improve your sleep here on Access Health Radio. 
Welcome back to Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest. I'm Mike Davis. Uh, Dr. Forrest, we want to take just a moment to thank the companies that support our program. Yes, we'd like to thank Marley Drug in Winston-Salem for supporting our show. They mail order generic medications directly to your home with free shipping, often at costs that are even much lower than the big box pharmacies. Check them out at MarleyDrug.com. Dr. Forrest, you mentioned a few moments ago about ways to improve sleep. What can we do to help get a better night's sleep? Well, I think we talked about a lot of the sleep hygiene things that are really important, but there's also things that you want to avoid taking into your body. Uh, and the three that are the big ones are nicotine, alcohol, and caffeine. So we've, we talked a little bit about caffeine. That sort of makes sense. You're not going to want to have caffeine, you know, late in the afternoon or evening right before you go to bed. Now, some people are more sensitive to that than others. Some people, you know, they'd have one cup of coffee and they wouldn't sleep all night. There are other people who are sort of used to caffeine that will drink six cups, you know, for dinner and have no trouble going to sleep. But if you are having trouble getting to sleep, you definitely want to keep the caffeine as sort of a, a morning pursuit. Um, secondly is alcohol. Now, as I said a, a little bit before, alcohol actually does not really harm you getting to sleep. Uh, it, it, in fact, can sometimes get people to sleep a little quicker. Uh, the problem is uh, twofold. Number one, it does sort of affect the sleep quality and the type of sleep phases you're getting into. The other thing it does is as soon as your body metabolizes it, you know, so let's say you, you had something at 10 o'clock. By about 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning, it's going to be totally out of your system. And so your body's response is exactly the opposite of the alcohol, which means it's a caffeine-like effect. So all of a sudden, now at you know, 1, 2 in the morning, you're, it's like you had six cups of coffee even though you didn't because it's the alcohol wearing off. So uh, you know, be careful about alcohol late in the evening. If you have it with dinner, uh, usually that's, that, that's going to be the time to do it, number one, because you're having it with some food, which is going to sort of uh, spread out the absorption. Uh, the second thing is you should have time to metabolize most of that before bedtime. Uh, the next one is nicotine. You've got to watch out for nicotine. Uh, if you smoke right before bedtime, that can have a, a bad effect. Or if it's been a long time since you've smoked, the withdrawal from that sometimes can actually trigger having troubles getting to sleep too. Our Access Health Trivia of the Week, straight ahead. Welcome back to Access Health Radio. Time now for our Trivia of the Week. Did you know that people are the only mammal that intentionally delays sleep? We spend about a third of our lives sleeping while cats actually spend two-thirds of their sleeping. I had a cat once, I believe that. All right, what, what are the major points to take away about sleep from today's show, Doc? First, sleep is, is very important, and it prevents a lot of diseases. So make sure you do what you can to get as much as you need. Second, if you have trouble falling asleep, make sure you observe those sleep hygiene principles and avoid things that might wake you up at night, like drinking a lot before you go to bed. And lastly, avoid pills and supplements for sleep as much as possible. A lot of them do work, uh, but the ones that do can often cause more problems if you take them for very long. It's all the time we have this week, Doc. Our scripture this week seemed appropriate. It's from John eleven twelve. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Thanks for listening to the Access Health Show. We look forward to joining you again next Sunday at 4 p.m. Until then, God bless your health.